I'm just laughing. I'm using the uh, St. Thomas Aquinas' Summa Theologica to prop up my laptop. I knew I, <laughs> I, knew I kept it around for a reason. Listen in to the forum at St. James Church. I am very glad to see everyone. And we are, I see this is recording, which is great. So that way, what that means is that we're going to be able to put this up as a podcast, as we usually do with our forums. Um, so that's why we're recording it. We won't record when people are in uh, the breakout rooms. That won't be recorded. Um, but we do want to have the actual session recorded. So in case there's anyone joining us who doesn't happen to know who I am, I'm Brenda Husson. I'm the rector here. And part of how we've organized our forums over the last several years is that one of us, usually one of the clergy, does some teaching, and then we go into table conversations and then come back together again, sometimes for a bit more teaching, sometimes just reporting back. So we're going to use the breakout room function on Zoom in order to have those table conversations, and we will be putting you... Um, Actually, we're going to let Zoom put you arbitrarily uh, into, those, into those rooms, and hopefully you'll get to talk with some folks you maybe haven't met before, and that would be a great thing as well. So let's begin with a prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for the gift of worship, and we thank you especially for the gift of the Psalms, which allow us to give voice to who we are, in days of grace and goodness and in days of pain and uncertainty. We ask that you would hear us as we pray, that you would hear us as we simply talk to you, and that we might come to know that all that we offer is received by you and can be transformed by you and by the goodness of your Holy Spirit. And we ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. So why the Psalms? The first reason is that they're important liturgically and historically. Part of the liturgical life of the Judeo-Christian community going all the way back to at least the second temple. That was the temple, for those who are wondering what the second temple was that was built after the return from exile in around 500 BCE, before the Common Era. And those psalms have been used in Jewish worship and in Christian worship since the beginnings of the church all the way to the present day. So it's an important part of our worship life and the life of the Jewish community. While here at St. James, we've always included a psalm in our Rite 1 Eucharist, our 1110 service, as well as all three of the lessons appointed for the day in Rite 2, our 910 service, in order to shorten the service some, we've not usually included a psalm and usually only have one biblical reading, usually from the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, in addition to the gospel. So having morning and evening prayer become so widely joined during the pandemic has wonderfully meant that more and more people are hearing the Psalms because there are Psalms appointed for both morning and evening prayer every single day. And so a wider range of the Psalms and a wider range of our parishioners, of all of you, 
um, have actually been hearing and reading psalms? So the first answer is that they're important liturgically and historically. And Ava reminded me this morning that another reason they're really quite um, extraordinary liturgically, something that the professor Ellen Davis has raised, is because they are a part of scripture which comes and lifts up the human voice. Even though these are liturgical psalms, they really speak about human experience directly. They are us speaking to God rather than someone else speaking to us about God or something else that is the voice of God, though we do hear the voice of God in the Psalms sometimes. So all good reasons to be paying attention to the Psalms. But there's a second reason that the clergy, as we thought about this summer, wanted to focus on the Psalms. And it's a reason that seems most important right now. And that's actually because of where we are right now. Right now as a city, right now as a nation, right now in the world. We are in a time of tumult and a time of pain. COVID got us started on that. But COVID was a lot. And now we are also finally facing into, and I think a deeper and hopefully better way, into systemic racism, police brutality, and the routine murders of black men, women, and children. And of course, this morning in the prayers, we had to add the name of another young black man who was killed by the police yesterday in Atlanta. We have had to face into all of that, as well as the disproportionate toll of the pandemic on people of color in terms of mortality, the number of people who have died, job loss, hunger, and educational opportunity. Those disparities have all been amplified. And for many white people, many of us, has finally clarified what systemic racism is and means in real time. The Psalms speak powerfully in and to this very time. So that to me is the second, and at this juncture, the most important reason for us to really focus on the Psalms. We are using, and will be using in this class, a small book, it's all of 74 pages long, to accompany us on our exploration. And I urge you to get hold of it, either in, I think it's only in paperback, uh, or electronically, and to read it. It's by Walter Brueggemann, who is an astonishing scholar of the Hebrew scriptures, and a prolific author about those scriptures. And Zach is going to put the name of the book on the chat on the screen so you can get that. You can also find it in the e-news and on the website. But the book is entitled The Spirituality of the Psalms. A nice benign name. The Spirituality of the Psalms. One of the reasons that I have loved Walter Brueggemann for years is that he is always looking for the ways in which the scriptures intersect with our lives as we live them and as we intend to live them as Christians. 
We are going to have a book discussion group about this on Wednesday the 24th. We're also going to do that via Zoom. And you truly have plenty of time to do the reading. Like I say, 74 pages. And while it's quite dense, uh, it is also quite comprehensible. So I hope that you will really take the time to read that book. Now, Zach and I, in just a moment, actually Zach, are going to put you into breakout rooms. Those, these will be groups of four or so, and you have a very simple question for you each to answer and discuss with one another. That also, that question will be in the chat room, so you can see it while you're meeting. And the question is simply this. Do you have a favorite psalm or psalms? What is that? And why is it a favorite of yours? Do you have a favorite psalm or psalms, and why is it or why are they um, a favorite to you? Then we're going to come back, and I'm going to share a few thoughts using Brueggemann's model to help frame our thinking in the coming weeks. So we're going to give you, because um, it looks like we have, we have about 40 folks here. Um, so I think we're going to put you into groups maybe of four or so. Does that sound good, Zach? I think that's one of our options. Yes, we can do that. Okay, great. So we're going to do that. And we're going to come back in uh, 10 minutes. So you're going to come back at 1126. And when we come back, I'm going to introduce Brueggemann's frame and the way we can think about this in ways that I think will be helpful for us, both individually, but also corporately. So see y'all shortly. And I will have the ability to call you back from your breakout room. So don't worry about timekeeping, but do worry about timekeeping for the sake of everyone having a chance to share. Great. Okay, so we asked each group to pick someone to report back. Um, obviously, we don't necessarily know who that is. So what I would ask is that, um, as you all are, you mute yourself. If you are one of those um, facilitators, reporters actually reporting back, uh, you will need to unmute yourself and uh, speak up. And I think we can probably figure that out. There should be about 10 of you. And what we just really want to hear is, was there a similarity in favorite Psalms and the reasons? But, you know, a brief report back. So whoever would like to report first, unmute yourself and go for it. So this is Wendy reporting for the room in group, uh, room seven, I think. And um, some of us, um, in fact, uh, out of uh, four of us, at least three of us, um, had a favorite of the 23rd Psalm for all the reasons that you might expect, uh, familiarity being one. Um, the others were more adventuresome, and I frankly don't remember all the, the numbers, but I think Ellie had 131, and someone else had, uh, I looked to the hill, uh, 124, and um, so on. But what we really discussed was how the Psalms were the ability of humans to talk back um, to God. So that, that's it. Great. Thank you. Next facilitator. Yes. I'd be happy to speak up. Um, we had a range of Psalms. This is Brad Whitehurst, by the way, uh, to those of you who can't see me. 
Um, I mentioned Psalm 121. I love the beginning that has the question of, you know, I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence shall my help come? And then immediately there's an answer. My help shall come from the Lord. I find that enormously comforting. Uh, Ray mentioned Psalm 27. Uh, he keeps that in his back pocket. He is a performer who wants um, a little shot of confidence when he's feeling fearful and he feels finds reassurance in that. Uh, Jay mentioned the beautiful Psalm 37, especially the first half of it. Um, and for each of us, and then Phoebe mentioned Psalm 23, and for each of us, there was an image or a verse that came back. And that was the thing we, I noticed that we seem to be holding on to. Mark also was participating in the call, um, fortunately. But he was on a bike ride in Vermont and decided not to offer a psalm at this moment. <laughs> okay. Yes, I do know that Mark, Mark and his family live up in Vermont, but glad he's been listening in. Okay, who's our next facilitator? All right, let me get off mute. It's Richard Marks, everyone. Uh, we had a group with Nancy Mertz. Uh, let me look here. And uh, Mertz and Nancy and Scott Caristo. We also love the 23rd Psalm, which is one of the more beloved Psalms. And I think some of the comments were about the sheer beauty of certain Psalms that align to music and being hymns uh, that don't just have the ordinariness of language, but of poetry. Uh, I also added Psalm 130, uh, sorry, Psalm 119 came up for a few of us. And we looked into verses 45 to 48 of Psalm 119 uh, as an example of the theme of freedom in the Psalms. So that Psalm that portion of that psalm begins with, I will walk about in freedom, for I've sought out your precepts. And freedom, I was feeling anyway, was to do partly with being able to be expansive and to create more space for things that we want to see in ourselves before we go out in the world to create more freedom. So it's creating freedom in ourselves as, as well as out in the world. And that is our report. Bob. Well, it's, I think we were like a lot of the other groups. We started off with Psalm 23, which is just so meaningful to so many different people. We did Psalm 121, which was, I will lift my eyes up into the hills. And that was also very meaningful to people. I had mentioned Psalm 51, which is creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, because that's such an important Psalm when just feeling like, we can't do anything, but we need God to come back in and make a recreation in us. Uh, Gretchen in our group had mentioned Psalm, I believe it was 139, which is that he knew us in our mother's womb and is with us throughout our whole life and is always there. And no matter what happens, even in death, that God is in control. Um, uh, and then Anne had a very interesting Psalm, which was Psalm 121 which is like being a screech owl and being on the roof and being alone. And it's a very, it's a very- it's not 121. 121 is I lift up my eyes to the hills. So it's- Oh, not block 21, it was- 102. 102, okay, I'm sorry. Thank you. Anyway, but it was, it's a, it's sort of a downer psalm, but it's like God is with us and this, even when we're still so alone on the roof, et cetera. 
Uh, like an owl. Okay. Who else? Uh, our group uh, was comprised of Tom and Caroline and Justine and myself. Uh, we started talking about some imagery that we had in common as things that we really loved. Um, one of those was the music imagery that Richard touched on. We talked specifically about Psalms 95 and 100, that um, imagery rejoicing and, and song. We also talked about creation imagery and the Psalms that um, praise God for his incredible creation here on earth. Um, we did touch on Psalm 23 um, and talked about the familiarity of it and how we um, would love to kind of achieve that level of familiarity with many of the other Psalms. And that's largely why we all are excited about this um, group and this project moving forward. And we hope to um, get more familiar with them. And we even talked a bit about the history of Psalms, the Psalms use in liturgy and, you know, orders that, um, that read through the Psalms as part of their prayer. And we just were sort of discussing ways that we want to get more familiar with them. So we're all excited. Great, thank you. And that was Natalie May, for those of you who don't know her, facilitating her group. I hope one of the gifts of this and of arbitrary breakout rooms is that you've actually found yourself talking to people you maybe don't know, So, which is a great gift. So who else is a facilitator out there? Gerlinda. Our group had Ken and Christina, as well as Tony uh, from our beautiful choir and um, Melanie. Melanie, Melanie from uh, who was in the park. And the theme generally was that the, the uh, Psalms appeared really brutal in their wording sometimes and that there was a reflection out in the world right now. And that for us also, that where's the help to come from, from God. We just need to look in that direction. So the Psalms that came up was uh, 21, was 23, was 103 and fragments um, like for me it was like lifting being lifted out of the pit by who else than uh, by god and we were hoping that the study of the psalms provides us with some answers to how to deal with the situation and uh, as brenda always likes to say i would like to give you a way in to a topic so we are hoping that the psalms will be the way in to the uh, to, to understanding, digesting, and, and dealing with the current situations. Great. Other facilitators. Hi, I'm Holly. Hi, Holly. Um, I'm in a group with uh, Marco and Marcy and Alexandra and Isabel. I think Marco is on the screen. Um, um, I thought he was going to jump in, but he hasn't. Marco, do you want to share with, with the group what, what, we talked about? Sure, hold on. Let me. Um... You're on you. You're good. Okay, our, our group um, discussed unanimously Psalm 23. Uh, that was their, uh, their favorite. Uh, as for me, it was more of a learning session for me as I am not really familiar with all of the Psalms, maybe as I listen to the, the words, um, I will get more familiar with them. So for me, it was a learning experience and now I know where they are and I can go into my prayer book and, and see which one I identify as my favorite. 
Uh, Marcy brought up also 121, and I think uh, many of us in our group talked about how during difficult times in our lives uh, that uh, 23 and 121 uh, bolstered us to get through uh, difficult times. And um, uh, I think that's rung clear with a lot of people in this group, um, that it's, it's, it's a source of comfort. Great, thank you. One of the things that Marco just reminded us of, which is wonderful, is that the, the Book of Common Prayer is full of scripture. Um, many of the prayers include scripture. The offertory sentences are all scripture. Um, lots of parts of scripture, but the Psalms, the entire Psalter, Psalms 1 through 150, are actually included in the prayer book. It is the only entire book um, of the Bible um, that is transplanted into the Book of Common Prayer. And the reason for that is obviously we use it in worship, but this is where we need to begin to look at something where I think Brueggemann is really helpful um, and which I think we know but don't often think about. And that is that the Psalms are actually communal prayers as well. Um, I am delighted that there are some interesting choices uh, among the groups, some psalms that are less familiar for a little confidence for a singer to uh, screech owl on the roof, um, but I am not at all surprised that some, the 23rd psalm and the 121st psalm are among those that are very popular and most familiar. Those are psalms that most of us go to um, for comfort and reassurance. And probably the 23rd Psalm, if you grew up in a household where you prayed or were taught prayers, was likely to have been the Psalm that you were taught as a child. Um, you learn the Lord's Prayer and maybe you learn the 23rd Psalm. And those are wonderful things, but from that earliest beginning, it suggests to us that these are personal prayers. And they are and can be that, but they are not only that and are not meant to be only that. They are prayed in worship because they are prayers for the whole community. Um, and that's a very important thing to recognize. The reason it's important is that it reminds us that our life circumstances, and I'm gonna use the 23rd Psalm to illustrate this, we can be in a place where our life seems to be going along pretty well, right? We've all been, I hope, in that place at some point. And then something happens which throws our life or our sense of how our life works into chaos. That can be almost anything. That can be something that happens in the world where we suddenly understand that how we perceive things is very different from how other people perceive them. I think that's a lot of what's going on among white folks right now. Um, but it can also be, you know, a diagnosis that was unexpected. It can be the end of a relationship. It can be the death of someone that you love, something that really throws you off. And when we're in that place where things are fine, maybe we're reading the Psalms, maybe not so much, but we have learned that when we're thrown off kilter, we wanna go to the ones that offer us comfort. And the comfort they offer to us is to assure us that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
to put the extreme example right from the 23rd Psalm, we don't need to be fearful because we are walking, God is walking with us, that God is actually spreading a table before us, even in the presence of our enemies. So there is huge reassurance in that. And then that concludes with us continuing to walk forward. But take that out of the personal realm and think about what that means for a community in upheaval. Think, for example, as I said, that the Psalms probably first came into liturgical use with the return from the Babylonian exile, with the people who had in fact walked through the valley of the shadow of death, who had in fact for many of them been on a death march into exile and were not sure they would ever return. And yet here they have come back. And so they are able to look back and see that God was in fact present with them, even when they did not experience it that way, that God was in fact preparing them for a new future. But consider also the Psalm that talks about how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land, which is a beautiful Psalm um, and clearly speaks to the Babylonian exile, but also comes at its end with real fury about what had happened. Those are not and fury is something we also know personally, but understanding that these were meant to embrace the community's experience is I think really important for our understanding of them. And interestingly, the ones that we use in worship, you know, we have Psalm, uh, Psalm 100, we have the Jubilate Deo, um, are the joyful ones, are the ones where everything's right with the world. And part of the reason that we use those psalms in worship is that one of the functions of worship, at least one of the functions that I've been told about time and again by, by some of you, is that you come to worship to get reoriented, to get set back in place about what's right, what's true, what do I really believe, after a week which has sometimes left you disoriented. So I want to use that and describe the frame that Brueggemann uses and that we're going to use in this course, but really hold on to the truth that as important, powerful, useful, and meant to be personal as these Psalms are, they are never meant to be only that. And they were not written ever to be only that. They were written for the community and by the community. So what Brueggemann talks about are three stages um, in life and in the world and in worship um, that the Psalms connect to. The first is orientation. When we are rightly oriented, the pieces fit. And so that's something we want to give thanks for. That can be happening in our life as a community and it can be happening in our life personally. Brueggemann uses a wonderful phrase that for the community, the Psalms of orientation create a kind of sacred canopy under which we dwell as a community. We're sort of embraced by that sacred canopy. Now Brueggemann will also say, and this is part of why I love Walter Brueggemann, he will also say, of course, 
that that sacred canopy, those psalms of orientation, can be used to provide um, support for the status quo. To say everything is all right because it's all right with us, even if it's not all right with others. That we can use that as a way of retreat from what may be real disorientation um, in the world and in our lives. And I think that may sound familiar to some of us. We may come into the church disoriented and needing that orientation, but we don't want to use it to ignore what's actually happening out in the world or in our own lives either. Reassurance is one thing. Using it as a, as a wall is quite another. So orientation is the first stage. Then there is disorientation the Psalms of disorientation. And they are the ones that acknowledge it is not okay. It is not okay for us as a community. It is not okay for us in the world. It maybe is not okay in our lives, but we are jarred. We are uncertain. We cannot see where God is. We are afraid that we are being left by God and left with no resources, the Psalms of disorientation. And they are Psalms that, again, may relate to what's going on in our personal lives, but they also speak to what is happening in the life of the community, the church, and the wider world. That sense that things are really off kilter. You know, we have Psalms, I go down into the pit, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is part of a psalm and which Jesus uses when he is abandoned on the cross. That sense, and at a time when he is abandoned on the cross, and the world, as Ava referenced in her sermon this morning, and if you weren't here for worship, go back and listen to it. It was extraordinary. But when the world is also showing how disordered it is, you know, the church and the state have conspired together to murder the Son of God. Disorientation. So we have those Psalms. And some of them, um, we don't actually um, read liturgically. Because some of them are too un unsettling. Um, we'll be talking about that when we get to the Psalms of rage in this course. But then there is what Brueggemann calls the new orientation, Psalms of new orientation. And it's very important to recognize that new orientation is not going back to the way it was. Otherwise, it's not a new orientation. It's regressive. Now, the fact is that when we talk about when will things get back to normal, we are actually saying something that is about regressing. We want to go back to the way it was. When people say, you know, we never used to have these problems. You know, boy, when I grew up in the 50s, it was great. Yeah, it was great if you were a white kid in the suburbs. It was especially great if you were a white boy in the suburbs. It was pretty lousy for a lot of other folks. So, you know, we don't go back to what it was. We get to a new orientation. That's what we need to be doing as people. That's what we experience 
when we've had a profound experience of disorientation in our personal lives, when we come through that, if we come through that, we are different. We are not the way we were before that happened. So that's what Bruggemann's talking about. It is a new orientation. He gives a wonderful example of this when he talks about um, the second chapter of Philippians, which begins, it's one of the oldest hymns in the entire church. And it begins by saying, basically what we hear at the start of John's gospel, which is in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So it says, Jesus is God. And then it does says this very disorienting thing, but he did not count equality as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. That's the disorientation. And then we are raised up with Christ from that depth. Our baptismal liturgy starts with all the promises of God, but then talks about us being buried with Christ in his death. That is a plunge into disorientation and then raised up to new life. And of course, the gospel itself is writ large the story of orientation we start with the world as it is and we're okay with the way things are except for all the people for whom it's horrible right you know but that's the way the world is and then jesus comes along and starts the disorientation with his acts with his teaching with his healing with his forgiveness of sinners with his welcoming of the outcast which is really destabilizing to the world as it is. And then the disorientation becomes complete when the world's response to that is to kill him. And the new orientation is not at all to go back the way it was. It's through the resurrection and the commitment to go forth to create and build the kingdom, which is what we're called to do. The disciples who received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost are not the same disciples after that experience of death, resurrection, and Pentecost as they were when Jesus picked them up by the lakeside. So that's the framework we're going to be using. Orientation, disorientation, new orientation. Because we think that will actually help us um, look at where we are now, as a people and as a country, and we'll also open up these psalms, even the ones that seem pretty outrageous, um, to an understanding of what prayer really is. And what prayer really is, is us talking to God. And all of us talk in ways that we think it would be better if God did not know, but nonetheless, God knows, and the psalms actually say, we're going to use that kind of language. So that's where we are. And on we'll go. So Zach, I'm wondering if you would like to uh, give us a closing word of prayer. And I, I actually, before I say that, we had several people who came in a little late and we were trying to give us time to get up to our computers. But let's assume the class starts at about 11.05. 
So um, there's actually, because um, it'd be nice to actually have the time that we have, and we're trying to keep this to about 45 minutes. But okay, Zach, if you would close us with a word of prayer. I would be happy to, and I look forward to seeing everyone next Sunday. I uh, will be leading the forum. So uh, our topic for next Sunday is praise, the Psalter and praise. So we'll be looking at some of those Psalms in particular. There's a great prayer that I was flipping through my prayer book uh, to find just now, but you've already heard it today. In your bulletin on the YouTube link is the prayer for the Holy Eucharist, and I commend it to you and remind you that the prayer, the collect we use on Sunday is the prayer meant to be used by us all week long. So uh, keep that prayer with you. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we give you great thanks for the gift of the sacrament of the kingdom, the ways in which you make yourself known to us in the bread and the wine, and the way that your life fills us with courage and truth, humility, and a spirit of service. We give you thanks for the gift of your words that break open your presence in our midst. Especially today, we thank you for the gift of the Psalter and for the wonderful gift of uniting us to your people across time who have used these words of praise and lament, of yearning, and of holy desire to draw closer to you. Bless St. James in our work as we are fed by you in word and sacrament and give us evermore the courage to bear witness to your love in your world. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus, our risen Lord. Amen. 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 And thank you all. To learn more about St. James Church, visit stjames.org. That's stjames.org.